0: Hey everyone, uh, this is uh, Boy and His Dog, uh, a podcast that isn't about dogs, but it is co-hosted by one. I'm Andrew, I'm a person, and that's Rosie in the other room there. She's a tiny little dog. Um, I'm here with videographer and filmmaker Sean Barfield. Uh, what's that, mean?
1: I'm excited to do this. I haven't had done a lot of interviews, so...
0: Yeah, this is our, uh, our second episode. After the first one, we had a lot of technical stuff, and I didn't get the chance to do anything else because we were kind of waiting on iTunes and waiting for a design that works. So uh, after this, this will become a weekly thing, uh, which I said last time, but this time I'm telling the truth. I promise. Um, So, Sean, I uh, guess we can do a few Facebook questions now. I asked for people to uh, ask questions on Facebook. Uh, Most of them were dumb, like this one is a picture of a guy with a neck tattoo. Um, I don't know how you'd like to answer that question, but it was posed.
1: Um, uh, he looked serious about it. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what to say on that one. Yeah,
0: uh, I don't either. Um, here's some real questions. Okay. Um, this is not a real question, but it's a, a it's a four-parter. <laughs> the first one is, what are your thoughts on lens flare?
1: Okay. First part, what are my thoughts on lens flare? Well, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful technique for yeah, spicing up different, uh, different situations. Um, you know, Depending on if you're working with music video or if you're working with narrative film, uh, you can control lens flare or take it over the top. So um, I like to use uh, different types of lens flare um, in a recent music video I've done that should be coming out fairly soon um, Ashley gets Only Light it's a fantastic song, <clears throat> but we used a, a wine glass uh, for the lens flare, um, I've played with glass before, putting that in front of the lens, uh, and different pieces of glass that I find at Goodwill, um, just different pieces that are interesting looking to me, I like to put that in front of the lens uh, I found a, a $0.99 cent wine glass gives you some interesting effects with, with lenses and, and flares and such. So I bought a $0.99 cent wine glass and, and used it for this uh, upcoming music video. And uh, it's, it's fascinating because when you use real light versus visual effects, um, you get so many unexpected results. I mean, I'm, I'm, holding, I'm holding a wine glass... In front of a 50, 50 millimeter lens. And so I'm pulling focus while holding the glass, while twisting the glass, <laughs> um, you know, in, in and all trying to keep it somewhat focused on the subject. Uh, in that process of putting different pieces together and making it all work together, um, it created some, for me, very fascinating, visually stunning lens flares. Uh, they're not standard, you know. Uh, Abrams flares—they're all over the place. They're you know they're scattered all over the screen. So <clears throat> I, I enjoy lens flares; it's fun to work with.
0: How do you like go from seeing a glass and going, or some type of glass thing, and going, "Yeah, that's perfect. That'll get me some kind of effect that I want."
1: I mean, it's it's a very uh, stylized situation that you would do that anyway. So usually, you're talking um, a music video or possibly a dream sequence or something along these lines in a film. Um in picking the glass, I mean you just want to be cautious of how much you distort the image uh versus the goal you're trying to achieve in telling the story. Um for my short film by dawn, we used uh the lens baby. Are you familiar with that one?
0: I'm uh sort of <clears throat> sort of
1: It's I mean it's a it's a tilt-shift lens mm-hmm. that uh for for Canon cameras. Um and it, it does a similar effect. It allows you to play with um, uh, some exotic focuses and lens flares and such. And uh, <clears throat> But it's more controlled. So you know this much of the screen will be in focus and I can still tell the story. Whereas with something exotic like with a wine glass, you're going to have to accept that 50% of your footage is not going to be usable. It's right. just going to be too exotic. So uh, you just have to be conscious of what your goal is. Um, and know that, you know, if you're going to do exotic, you're going to lose over half your footage. So you have to do it multiple <laughs> times. You have to do, you know, in, in other safe shots. So Okay.
0: Um, did you see the new Star Wars movie? Have you seen it yet? I did
1: see the new Star Wars, yes.
0: There was no lens flares in that one.
1: Uh, maybe, uh, maybe one or two.
0: I don't know. I wouldn't have known even if there was. I was so excited. I was just kind of like, I don't know trying to hold in my emotions the whole time watching it cuz uh, yeah. I was so stoked about Star Wars happening yeah, in front sure, of me. Yeah, for
1: sure, man. I very much enjoyed <laughs> the new Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I I think it's probably my favorite of the Star Wars movies.
1: That name Empire, it it's pretty close to Empire.
0: Yeah, it's <clears throat> it used to be Empire, but I think I've gone full Force Awakens at this nice. point. I love very it. Very cool. Um okay, the second question, uh this these questions are from Trey um and the second question he asked is uh, to have you tell us your favorite Hidden Gem movies and why do you like them?
1: Hidden Gem movies and why I like them. Well, um, two, I don't know if they're Hidden Gems, but uh, they don't come up as much in, in different circles. Um, Friday the 13th, the original, and Cobra with Stallone.
0: I've never seen Cobra. Uh,
1: yeah, it's... um maybe a lot of people wouldn't think uh, this is a masterpiece. Uh, You know, why why would he bring up Cobra? But Stallone is one of my favorite filmmakers. I don't know if he he directed this particular film, but in general, his career is fascinating to me Um, and inspiring, and it's something I would like to model my career on. Um, But Cobra is just a fun movie, and I'm I'm actually basing um, my current, Uh, Feature film project uh, on that type of world and that type of mood that they set with Cobra, but uh, Friday the Thirteenth, the original. I just watched that again for the first time uh, the other night. It had been years since I had watched it. Watched it with my wife, and I was fascinated because it's so different than the horror I've experienced over the last fifteen years. What I what I've noted the difference I noticed was the the concentration on atmosphere, and then also um, staying away from giving me the bad guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. in in films, in horror films today, uh, that strong silhouette they want you to know the character, so they're giving you the monster right up front. Here's our monster. Here's their silhouette. We can market them. We can sell them. It makes it more marketable, sure, but it doesn't have the same eeriness of not knowing what you're facing. And the first Friday the 13th, you you don't experience the uh, the antagonist until the very, very end of the film. Most of the time, you're just in, in a perspective. And so between that, the sound design and the hiddenness of the antagonist, um, those two things really stuck out to me. I was, this, this film doesn't get enough credit.
0: The uh, Friday the 13th, too, is the first movie I remember just scaring the living shit out of me. And I was a weird kid. Like, I remember growing up watching uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies with my mom and not knowing, like, Freddy was the bad guy. I just thought he was awesome. And then, like, Tales from the Crypt and those kind of things when I was a kid. um, I I just kind of grew up around those. But then, for some reason, the second Friday the 13th movie just scared me so bad sure
1: yeah yeah I remember as a kid uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the 13th those were real big when I was in school and uh yeah they were they were terrifying images terrifying characters um but that first one really stuck out to me in in keeping everything so hidden which is great for low-budget filmmakers because uh if you don't have the things you need to make the film, incorporate that into the film. Make that part of the film where you don't get to see it and you really want to see something but you can't. So, um, yeah, it's about uh, figuring figuring out ways around low, bu- you know, problems in low budget filmmaking.
0: Um speaking of horror films, how do you feel about uh, all these found footage movies?
1: Uh I mean, I enjoyed the first real big one, what was that um Blair Witch? Blair Witch, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that was a fun, new way to take uh, horror, or, you know, scary films. So, yeah, they're they're fun. Um, the Blair Witch was so, that was
0: such a crazy idea at the time. There were so many people that believed that happened. That, that was real footage. I remember getting in so many arguments. It's like, no, I've seen these actors on, like, Conan and whatnot. Like, this wasn't real. But that's how kind of powerful that movie was sure. at the time.
1: Yeah, I remember. Uh, <clears throat> I remember a lot of people, you know, questioning. Oh, what is this a real thing? So that's what's. Um, I think that's what's great. As I'm slowly working my way into filmmaking, and starting to venture into into feature film, uh, a lot of times it's the story around the film that is just as potent and marketable as the film itself. The film may may be only a a seven or an eight, but the story surrounding the film and selling the film might be a nine or a 10. Is it? oh, you know, they found a way to to sell themselves. And you can do that at any level, at any financial level. Build lore around your project. Build lore around you as a filmmaker. Build lore um, with your story. And and people will want to know more.
0: Yeah. I think that's something also, I remember with the Blair Witch movie that that did uh, really well. Because they had like fake documentaries out on, you know, the places around the area. And I don't know. That was really cool. I remember that. Um, This is kind of a broad question again from Trey. Uh, What are
1: your goals as a filmmaker? Well, um, the story begins uh, as a 10 or 12 year old making Kung Fu movies with my buddies and, and finding out that you can pull people together uh, for a common common little goal and, and have fun with it and make something so um, I sort of set out for for myself to do that over over the last 20 years since I, you know pick picked up a camera but my goals are literally just to survive as a filmmaker um, I'm definitely not getting rich right now I, there's it's not a financial thing if it was a financial thing I'd be in a in a whole new career by now, or you know, choosing much easier paths. Um, but for me, it's collaboration. I, <clears throat> I enjoy working with other artists. Um, I used to be in bands, uh, and usually I was the one going and, and finding other artists and saying, "Okay, let's do something. Let's have fun. Let's try to you know create our own our own little thing, our own little sound." <clears throat> so whether it's whether it was bands or or 2D art or 3D art. I got into 3D animation as well. Um, For me, it's about collaborating with other artists and trying to take, okay, John has a great piece and Tony has a great piece and Bob has a great piece. Let's put all these things together and make something even better. Um, So for me, it's about trying to achieve certain artistic goals for myself. Um each time I make a film or a project is okay. I've never tried this before. Let me try this. So I guess it really, it's about collaborating and and new experiences.
0: Okay. I uh, (laughs) finally took these earbuds out. I'm sure I was yelling at you, but I realized that I wasn't actually listening to anything because when we're recording, it doesn't play. So I just had those in for no reason. So sorry if I was screaming. No, no, you're good. Um, okay. The last question that Trey posed, uh, is, how long is it? And I asked him what he meant by that, and he said, you know what? So I don't know what he's talking about.
1: Well, it's going to be a 90-minute film. That's how, <laughs> that's how long. So uh, tell me what you've been working on lately. Um, for, for my day job, um, I've been working on music videos and commercials, uh, as well as some documentary work for some Native tribes. Here in the state um, <clears throat> uh, and then uh, as a personal personal project in working into feature film I'm in development on from the ashes and in development on another short film called in the world of the long breath so I have two artistic projects underway at this time okay um,
0: <clears throat>
1: how far are you, are you on those uh, we're still in development on both um, which means uh, we have a project idea um, I'm working with producers who uh, out of Oklahoma City we're in production and then also out of Indiana another producer and we're um, developing the stories the pitch materials needed to um, gather the funds and in the fundraising process um, and we're talking to investors for the feature film uh, we're we're off to a great start on that um, it's just um, it's a whole new world going from financing your own short films at $300, 500 right. $3,000, $6,000, and then you've got to make this hurdle from $6,000 to feature film. And to be honest, uh, you know, a safe, fair, reasonable number is right, at, you know, a million dollars for the type of project we're aiming for. I mean, I think, um, we could definitely make it happen at that, at that low budget. But that, that's, um, so it's a big jump when you're going from, from short film to feature film. So it's, it's a long process of really deciding, okay, do we have a solid plan in the story? Do we have a solid plan on locations? Do we have a solid plan on who's going to crew this? Uh, so there's a lot of um, uh, planning in that regards uh, at this stage. Uh, and then for uh, In the World of the Long Breath, um, that is more of a, um, an experiment, really. From the Ashes is a very straightforward uh, story. Yeah, in turn, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic western.
0: Okay. Um, that sounds like something I would like.
1: It's, <clears throat> I mean, the basic idea is it's similar to uh, Mad Max and the Great Plains. Okay. okay, so we we want to take advantage of Oklahoma's scenery. Um, Oklahoma is a, is a fantastic place to do film, I and mean, we have a wide variety of locations and right. uh, beautiful landscape, and so on. And and the cost to film here is is um, very affordable. So <clears throat> we want to take advantage of this, and um, you know, from the ashes. Takes this post-apocalyptic look that we already have, this Western uh, look, and uh, takes full advantage of that. It's um, it's basically the story of a second civil war in the United States. Um, it doesn't pick, take any political sides. It's just a background for for a story. Um, it's actually following the narrative of Atlantis, so it yeah. has it has a certain uh, narrative that it that it follows. Um, and steers clear of political issues that you know that right. we see today, um, but then in in the world of the long breath is entirely is an entirely different uh, setup. It's a, almost entirely experimental. Where I'm getting artwork from from a variety of artists, musicians, 2D artists, painters, uh, sculptors, and such, and incorporating this into a film project. Um, and, the, and then the core of this of this project is based on balance. So what I'm doing is I'm approaching each artist and telling and asking them, what does what does the concept of balance mean to you? Or gravity, if you will. And because balance is an important part of uh, the artistic principles. Right. Okay, so you have to balance so many things as an artist. You know, in, in 2D art or in, in film, you have to balance the score with the sound effects with the voices, you have to balance the colors, you have to balance the wardrobe. There's so many aspects to it. So, um, In the world of the long breath goes to each artist and asks them to bring their own concepts into balance. So for instance, uh, the sound designer is free to come up with his own section of sound that he creates and interprets um, balance however he wants with whatever sounds he wants. And then that gets incorporated into the film. So, um, it's, it's a big eclectic experiment, well, you know, whether it comes out exactly as I hope, I don't know, but that's part of figuring these things out, um, is experimenting with them.
0: Okay. Um, well, let's talk about post-apocalyptic films for a little while, because I just found out that um, the, the name of this podcast is A Boy and His Dog. There's actually a movie called A Boy and His Dog that I've never heard of that is a post-apocalyptic movie. Okay. And uh, oddly enough, that's kind of my favorite genre of thing. Um, and uh, that was totally coincidental. Um, my favorite movie is The Road. I love Fallout. I mean, that's kind of my the thing I like. Uh, do you have a favorite post-apocalyptic uh, movie or, or story? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously the original Mad Max, I mean, Mel Gibson was... I know he's got, you know, issues right now. But right, he was amazing at that. Time. I mean, he's I'm sh- he's a fantastic actor and had this great great look uh, at the time. Um, I would say, that however, this film uh, may even lean towards um, "Dances with Wolves." In itself, is, is its own post-apocalyptic world because you're right. western and post-apocalyptic are, are very similar. You're That's dealing, true. You're dealing with the edge of society. You're dealing with the outer fringes of rules um, and that's uh, that's the combination that I want to get to in, in our in this project is if our society were to collapse uh, financially um, if society collapses structurally with you know with legal systems and such y- you do come back to this old West uh, situation with you know town to town I don't want to say gangs, but, you know, government becomes much more local. Right. So um, I think that's the most fascinating part of post-apoc films for me is it is the Old West again. I mean, you know, it's, it's creating your own worlds again. So.
0: Well, I think one of the things that really appeals to me about that whole scenario is just a lot of the things that we kind of pretend are important, aren't important. And you see those things uh, in those type of movies or whatever. When someone's uh, more focused on just being alive and having their society not crumble. They're not focused on all the, the boring and, and dumb stuff that we tend to focus on in our daily lives. You know, I think for some reason that's, that's just kind of why I uh, sure. get into those.
1: The Revenant's an, another good example of what you're describing.
0: <laughs> yes, I just saw that.
1: You know purely down to um survival
0: they uh that just looks like in that situation you just never get dry i think that's what would bother me the most i'd rather i think fight with the bear than just be wet in the mm-hmm. winter in the mountains for yeah. however long
1: sure yeah i mean you could feel the uh misery of being in that oh, in that man. water with all that snow around
0: that would be yeah. absolutely terrible um but that was the whole time. The whole time I was watching that, I was just like, "Oh, they have to be wet. If they have any kind of socks on, they're soaked. Their mm-hmm. shoes are soaked. They and then you, then it just freezes. It would have to. Yep. I don't know how they would possibly be able to handle that at all." Um. A lot of the questions that we got are for Rosie, which I will do uh, sure. later. Okay. Um. So I have to ask you: Do you have any pets?
1: I have one dog named Zoe. Okay, what kind of dog is she? Uh, she is some sort of little dog. I don't know <laughs> what kind it is. I was not a dog person until a couple of years ago. I, I didn't really have any interest in having pets since I have three kids. Right. And um, we got a pet for the first time, and <clears throat> I did not expect it, but I very much became a, a dog person and fell in love with dogs in a hurry. So. Um, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, uh, it's been, uh, it's been very interesting because I did not expect to learn so much about myself from having a dog. Really? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah.
0: I, that, that, yeah, I think that you do kind of learn a lot, especially having to... it You take care of this creature that isn't a person, but for some reason you have a connection with it. Uh, that kind of always blows my mind that I live with this little monster, but I love her a lot. And she, for some reason, loves me.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I uh, work from home, so I'm editing all day, or phone calls all day, and it's just me and the dog. And you know, you have routines that you start w- developing, <laughs> where you, you know this is the time to go out, this is the time to eat, yada yeah. yada. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun.
0: Yeah, we um, we've had Rosie for uh, a few months since last summer, and uh, yeah, it's just been crazy. Crazy getting to know a dog um, because when we first got her, she was sick, and so she's kind of slowly becoming a dog again. And we get to see her do all these weird dog things for the first time. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, same. Same with me. My dog uh, actually got parvo. Oh no! Uh, when it was just it was just a puppy, so it was okay, it's a goner. Right. But um, <clears throat> we gave her injections, you know, fluid or whatever, and um, she survived it. And, you, yeah, you, then you say, okay, wow, the dog was tough enough to survive Paro. i got to give it some credit.
0: Right. How long have you had her? Two years. Okay, so it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And you got her when she was a puppy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we got Rosie when she was already old, so that kind of worked for us. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, it's different. It's different having an animal living in your house. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, you got, uh, you got some exotic animals too.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, we have a ferret that is a handful too. Um, so tell me about some of the music videos you've been doing lately. Who are some of the bands
1: <clears throat> and artists? Um, I've worked with, I th- it's getting close to 150 music videos at this point. Um, worked with, uh, Decide Your Betrayal out of Dallas was okay. uh, one, of, one of my favorite ones, um, and then one of the, the most recent one we talked about with the wine glasses, is Ashley Getz out of Oklahoma City. Um, probably one of the most impressive artists I've worked with, <clears throat> and partly because she's I mean she's so young she's 18 years old and has an incredible album, probably one of the strongest independent uh, pop albums that I that I've heard in, in a long time. Uh, she also has a presence uh, on camera. Um, we did one music video prior called War. Um, she just has a real strong presence. At, uh, she's much more mature than her age. So I feel like she has a very good chance at a, at a full career as a musician, as an artist. Okay. Um, so I'm real excited to uh, to get that that piece out within the next week or so. Um,
0: how how do you kind of go about making a music video versus maybe a short film? What's what's different and um who normally comes up with the, the ideas for the music video? Is it you or the artist or kind of a collaboration?
1: In regards to music videos and, and commercials, I view myself a little bit more as a cake maker and you know, they give me say this is the cake I want, and I say, okay. Right. I know how we can make that cake, and so <clears throat> uh, with a lot of artists, they come with you know ideas of their own they're artists, so they have ideas of what their uh, music wants to say, uh, what they want to say as an artist, and I try to accommodate that as much as possible um, you know at, at the budgets we 're working at you know with much smaller budgets, you know there are limitations, right. but there's also um there's also tricks you can do to get around those limitations as much as possible. Um, so I, I listen to the artists and see what it is they're trying to say and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, it's same with commercials, and I would be interested in doing the same with film, is in terms of, you know, finding a producer who has stories that they want to tell. Right. And I, you know, I would I would love to you know see their scripts and tell their story in the way I tell, you know, I I uh, direct films. So, um, you know, whether it's my story or someone else's story, I feel it's it, It's always going to be a collaboration in, in trying to make some sort of art piece.
0: Well, would you say the same thing about uh, approaching the documentary work you've done?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's um, the one I worked on recently was um, about the Potawatomi tribe in the Shawnee area. And that was fascinating because it, it covers um a lot of American history right so you you see the relationship between the U.S. government and native tribes here in the U.S. so I got to experience um some interesting conflicts um between the native tribes and the U.S. government and how long and drawn out that process was of a a gradual slow pushing and pushing and pushing you know from one side pushing the other and um it, it it made me think of uh, you know modern situations that we're dealing with, uh, you know our government you know, pushing and pushing in different yeah. places of the earth or whatever, and so yeah, not to get too heavy or political or anything, but it was interesting to see that this is a repeated a repeated cycle.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: So, um, but in in terms of collaboration um, or uh, you know what the process is like of of how do we tell this story. Um, I very much enjoy the process of saying, "Okay, what are your ideas? What you know, oh, we can do that because yeah, that would work great, or this is too you know would be too difficult. Let's try it this way." Right. So it's always a, a very um, back and forth process. You know, from pre-production when you're going back and forth of you know locations, perhaps. To post production, when you're deciding on, okay, we need to re- reword this, or revoice this, or change this image, or yada yada. So it's a continuous, you know, back and forth process until you're both, you know, finally have the, the final product you want.
0: Okay. Um, what kind of what kind of
1: cameras do you uh, like to shoot with? Well, what I would like to shoot with and what I have are two different things. <laughs> right. Um, I have a Canon 7D and a uh, Blackmagic Pocket. I also have access to to rent, obviously, any you know cameras for for larger projects. Right. But for the most part, I'm um, I'm using the 7D a lot of times, and um, I have really really enjoyed that camera. I've, I've got so much use out of the 7D. Um, we've become pretty good buddies. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, I can just you know float float around that thing, you, you know, right with ease, uh, and and get get what i want out of it you know even though it's it's clearly on the low end of of cameras um it all comes down to how are you controlling the lighting you know how are you controlling the situation um so yeah 7d is what what i mainly use
0: what would you like to shoot with
1: um i mean obviously the uh, you see all the awards going to the alexa Mm-hmm. So, sure, I would like to try out an Alexa. I, li- I like the red. I've shot on red. Um...
0: I saw a red for the first time not too long ago. And I uh, was kind of just impressed that I got to see it with my own eyeballs. Because nice. I remember when, you know, back when red wasn't as popular as it was. And uh, they were trying to get it out there and just going on websites and, like, reading about it. And, like, someday maybe I'll have the money for one of these. Sure, and yeah. now I'm, I don't care so much about video production as I did. But,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, Red's an awesome camera. Uh, I shot um, my capstone project, uh, Dancing in the Chamber. We shot that on Red. And editing the footage, it was very easy, clean process. Uh, there was no difficulty to it in terms of, of cutting the footage. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I love Red, uh, but lenses become more important than the camera a lot of times. Um, Because once you hit a certain point, um, resolution, it only means so much in terms of what you're displaying it on. So if your display is 1080 or, you know, even at 4K, if you're shooting at 8K 8K or 4K, you know, you're not making a huge difference in terms of final output. Right. But the lenses uh, become important. So renting, renting the right lenses becomes critical because you the lens plays just as much a role as the camera does in terms of your, your sharpness and clarity and types of lens flares and such.
0: If uh, somebody was to ask you uh, on advice of just how to get into to video production, uh, what would
1: you tell them? Uh, well, I would say uh, you, in order to get into video production, you just gotta pick away at it slowly but surely. Uh, just persistence is really what it comes down to. With a, with a lot of jobs or any field, uh, just keep plugging away at it. You know, if you, as long as you're not putting anybody in harm's way, you know, starving yourself out or starving your kids out. You know, right. I'm not rich, but we're eating okay. Um, just uh, be persistent with it, and maybe instead of buying an Xbox, maybe you buy an editing station. Instead of right. buying uh, a hot tub, maybe you buy a new camera. So you have to make certain sacrifices. Do I have 30 video games or do I have the latest editing software that I need? So that you... Uh, and, and know that it's real work. It's not... Um, filmmaking and video production is not a dream... Dreamland where, you know, red carpets and stuff that, I mean... It's extremely hard work with lots of planning um, so be aware that it, it it's heavy lifting and if you're if you're excited about heavy lifting for creative projects then go after it but just just be aware that it is a difficult um, field
0: right uh, people ask me since I do video for the news station if I uh, do do uh, video production on my spare time, and I kind of tell them, like, it's a very expensive hobby to have, so if you're going to spend the money to do it, you got to do it for real. It's not just something to do, kind of spend that money and do it, you know, on the weekends. Yeah. Like, you really invest yourself financially into filmmaking or into doing videos, into video production, because uh, it's not cheap.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of cost to getting everything you need, especially if you're trying to do... Th- you know things on your own. Uh, you've got to have the lights, and you've got to have the sound equipment. You've got to have the camera equipment. Got to have the lenses. Got to have the cards. Right. So it becomes a very expensive venture. Um, however, in in our age, the cost has come way down with digital age. Filmmaking costs are far cheaper than what they were.
0: Yeah,
1: you don't have to process film, which was a huge, huge cost. Um, we're all digital so we can take as many takes as we want and burn them as fast as we want Um, so you have filmmakers like Mickey Reese out of uh, Oklahoma City Mm -hmm. who's made I don't know how many feature films on a 7D he's one of my favorite Oklahoma filmmakers um he cranks out feature films one after another, two or three a year, some, somewhere along those lines.
0: You have to be busy.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, he, I mean, and he does it all himself with a 7D and a handful of lights. So it can be done by yourself, but just know that uh, a lot of effort has to go into it.
0: Um, I was trying to Google this, um, so I knew what I was talking about, but I can't find it. Um, you, you mentioned about not having to do... Uh, process film anymore but have you seen where that uh, i don't remember which film company it is but they're trying to bring back uh film uh cameras in kind of like an easy affordable way
1: yeah i I don't know in detail but i I have heard of it sure um
0: and by affordable it's still very expensive but it's not as expensive as you know um professional equipment but
1: yeah it comes down to um i mean for me obviously cost film's not going to happen right at uh you know at the ten thousand level or whatever um but there there are plenty of, of good arguments for using film i don't like to get into uh the, you can get people heavy into the technical debates of you have to have right. this camera you have to have this uh type of film you have to have this type of you know digital yada yada uh that doesn't too much interest me as what what is your content you're trying to get out there i mean Either way, the image is going to be pretty close. If you have a certain reason, storytelling-wise, that it has to be film, go for it. Um, but I don't get real picky about particulars.
0: Well, I, I think it's gotten to where a lot of people now, they wouldn't notice anyway. They're just watching a movie. Sure. Uh, yeah,
1: your average film goer will not uh, notice any difference, whether it was you know film or digital. Um, so... It, it comes down to, can you afford it, and is there a reason?
0: Right. If you could afford it, do you think you'd uh, work with film
1: more? Uh, I, think, um, I think I'd think i be interested in putting that money elsewhere rather than processing the film. Unless, uh, unless there was a project or somebody I worked with that said, here's my reasons why I think we should. And even if the reason includes, hey, I want to salvage this industry or whatever. Right. You know, that's a pretty interesting reason to do that. Um, but if you're just doing it just, you know, for uh, snooty reasons or whatever, that's, you know, that's one thing. But, um, yeah, if, if the story calls for it, let's do it.
0: All right. Um, yeah, I could imagine uh, just uh, throwing something on the, the computer and being able to edit it right away, though, is uh, kind of nice.
1: Sure, yeah. And I'm sure they've got... Uh, Plenty of ways to scan the reels quick enough for dailies or whatever. But still, it's, it's still a process rather than...
0: Yeah, and an expensive one. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think our Facebook question has kind of slowed down. Um, I keep checking, but I didn't give people that much time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I uh, did make a funny joke one year ago today, though. Do you ever look at your uh, your memories I've, on Facebook?
1: I've seen a couple of them, sure.
0: My uh, my good joke was, yeah, but who would win in an actual fight versus, or uh, in Roe versus Wade?
1: Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh. cuffs.
0: I like to just see how funny I was. Basically, that's why <laughs> I do it.
1: Yeah, the I mean, it's always it's always fun to see where were you at a year ago, whatever.
0: That was kind of a brilliant move for Facebook, by the way. Um, just give people the opportunity to kind of reminisce, um, whether the memories are kind of there or not just something stupid. They said anything, but just giving someone the opportunity to kind of instantly within a click reminisce on their
1: yeah.
0: past yeah. is kind of,
1: I, I think know. it, uh, it can be helpful because I know for myself, um, you work and you work and you work for certain goals and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm not, you know, where am I going with this? How am I going to get there? And then you see something from two or three years, you go, like, oh, okay, well, I have done A, B, and C, and it is moving forward. So, you know, I sure I like those, those yeah. ones.
0: Um, do you get to watch TV much? Anything you watch? Uh, I do
1: not have cable, I Me only either. have Netflix, YouTube, Hulu. Um, so, you know, I I am loving some House of Cards, Game of Thrones.
0: Uh, yeah. I still haven't watched House of Cards, but everyone says I, I should.
1: For me, House of Cards is is the one to beat right now. Okay. Um, Visually, there's nothing that compares to House of Cards. I mean, the DP is just uh, constantly on his game. I mean, it's uh, some of the most beautiful cinematography, whether it be film or television. And then the art department is uh, always on point. The wardrobe is super impressive. Uh, The hair and makeup, super impressive. The story, super impressive. Um, and then the the twists of, of having the lead character talk talk to the audience. Uh, and all of this taking place in a very political world, and yet it doesn't feel too political. So it's right. like a perfect storm of, of good storytelling.
0: Man, there's just too much good TV right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. I feel like, you know, for the longest time, TV was kind of bleak. But, right. but now, a lot of people are making... Very good TV shows. Networks are realizing that. And then you have Netflix that is producing its own uh, content. And Prime and Hulu. All those you know have their, their own uh, content now and producing their own shows. I feel like you just have to kind of pick some that you're like, well, I just can't watch this.
1: Yeah, you I don't can. have the time sure. of the day. Sure, yeah. You d- definitely got to pick and choose. Because you're right. I mean, I'm noticing a huge, uh, huge difference of uh, television where, you know, where we're at today. And just... Show after show after show is strong, you yeah. Know, oh, I love every episode. Um, but I think that may have something to do with gaming, because gaming is a is a long term relationship with characters. Okay. And uh, you know you can you can enjoy that story in that game for weeks. Right. And then, however, with a film, you've got an hour and a half to get me connected to all these characters in some meaningful way. Well. Uh, it takes more time than that to tell you know big stories yeah for sure and uh people have become accustomed to spending time with characters in video games and television too you know a television of the past you get you know you grow with the characters but i think people are ready for longer relationships in in their fantasy worlds
0: yeah well uh, i think i think that also works with the uh... You know, these these other TV stations popping up. Once AMC kind of showed up and said, well, we can do Breaking Bad, we can do Mad Men, and those took off. Well, all these other, uh, you know, cable uh, stations are saying, well, what's our Mad Men? Yeah, we exactly. need one. Sure. And so they start producing content that's original, that's good. Um, but that does make a pretty good point about gaming. I've been playing Fallout 4 since it came out, and I've been so into it.
1: Yeah, I, I I started that one a couple weeks ago too, and I've been um, a little busy with the with the launch of this film. But uh, right. when I get a chance, it's um, yeah, you you want to spend time in those worlds, and I think that's where television's at. Is you find a Breaking Bad world, and you're like, whoa, this is intense, and you want you know you want to stay there and find out more about it. Game of Thrones, same thing. Yeah,
0: Game of Thrones right now is probably my favorite TV show. Um, i haven't read a lot of the books i read the first one which is basically the first season almost word for word it's perfect but uh, uh i i do hear they kind of d- get away from the story of the books uh pretty quickly after that but but man that's definitely my favorite show um i like breaking bad a lot that's one of the best shows that has uh, been made i think um but yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. That's a, a big um, issue that I have with movies all the time. If the story should be bigger and we should have more, um, but it's so condensed that I just don't care about anyone. Sure. And so they'll kill someone off or something. I'm just like, I I don't care. I didn't care about that character because yeah. you didn't give me the time. I don't know anything about him. You know, this mm-hmm. story should have been over, you know, two or three movies. But you can't do that. So you did this one, and it's you know right so
1: yeah yeah and that's kind of a challenge I'm facing right now because in in this uh, from the ashes what we're developing right now um, you know we're having to make two cuts a fe- feature-length cut and then a pilot cut you know, okay you now we intend it to be a uh, pilot for a series but um, you know in, in marketability you know, I'm producing both. It could be a standalone feature film, or it could be a pilot. Right. But then, in that in that uh, situation, uh, story wise, you have to be conscious of how much time am I spending with characters, so that we don't experience what you know what you just described, um, or do I give just enough of the character that by the end of the film we're like, wow, I'd like to know more about A, B, and C. So um, it. It definitely becomes a, a balancing act of uh, how much time do we spend with each character. Right.
0: Can't have a six-hour-long movie. Yeah,
1: in hopes in hopes of okay, it's enjoyable enough that I would, I'm pumped about this. I want to see another one, and then you know, then right. we can, you know, get funding for a series. So, it's it's a scary venture to you know to try to make all those parts come together, but um, so many people have done it. And you just got to get in there and go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, that would be cool to have a series going, though, so. um, to to keep the characters around and kind of keep going. Because you work so hard, you know, thinking of all these things and planning all this out, and you you want it to continue. You want the stories to to keep growing.
1: Sure, and <clears throat> on on top of that, story wise, it's obviously people are enjoying that more. Right now, is you know, give me a continued story so I can grow with the story. So people are enjoying that, but then also just for the state of Oklahoma, it's a good idea because then you have continual work. You have two, three, four, five years of work, you know, that you bring in a million dollars per production. Right. So you're bringing money to the area in a, in a significant way, um, and it's, after, you know, seasonal. So, you know, if you manage to get four seasons out of it, great, you've got four years of work for, you know, filmmakers in the area and then you could roll that over into a whole new series and get five more years of work. So uh, I think it's beneficial both for the audience and for filmmakers. Do you think
0: you're at uh, any kind of disadvantage uh, by trying to make films in Oklahoma where it's just kind of not necessarily known for that?
1: Uh, I always view it as as an advantage because um, people are not jaded here. Right. uh, You know, in film school, um, uh, film production class was with Gray Frederickson. Gray Frederickson is an Academy Award winner. He produced uh, the Godfather trilogy and Apocalypse Now. Okay. And he had a very uh, very long career uh, in the film industry. So learning from him was a very special opportunity. Um, You know he. he explains the, the ins and outs of, you know, with m- major budgets and tiny budgets. And a lot of times it's about leverage. Um, in California, everybody's used to filmmaking. So you may have...
0: And everybody is a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. Except for they're also probably a waiter and a...
1: For sure, for
0: sure. Valet car parker. and
1: Yeah, so you have... Everybody is used to this. They're used to the process. They're used to the paperwork. They're used to the fees. Right. So they know how much it's worth. Here in Oklahoma, if you say I want to film something in your yard, I think it has a great look. You know, they're excited. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. Let me help. And, and, right. And rather than saying, okay, where's the papers and and uh, how you know, give me ten thousand dollars or what you know, pay for the pay for the spot. I mean, you want to certainly pay f- for their assistance, but. Oklahoma's ready to assist, regardless right of so not only it's been my experience that not only will they let you do that, but then they're out there helping you oh here's here's some hot coffee. I know you guys are freezing cold out here <laughs> right. filming this zombie music video here's a whole bunch of coffees for all you guys just you know just out of nowhere yeah, even though we've we've asked hey, can we use your yard and, you know and so I think filmmaking in Oklahoma is an advantage. Uh, we just need the bare minimum of resources uh, to make it happen. Um, I think you know, I think we can make a film at a fraction of the cost uh, if you were in California and had to deal with all the union fees and right. such. So the you know, cost-wise it's 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 a huge advantage. Scenery is an advantage because we've got, you know, great scenery and all, all different sorts of scenery. Um, and then the people themselves, you know, are excited about uh, having the chance to do something creative. Uh, You know, we always hear about the coast. We hear about the East Coast doing this. We hear about the West Coast doing that. And here we are stuck in the middle. And, uh, you know, we have so many people who want to get in the game.
0: And uh, so, here in Oklahoma, do you have to deal with any of that union stuff when you go to... to
1: I'm on a very, very small-scale player. So... um, at most, I'll deal with insurance. But uh, as I understand the the Oklahoma laws, uh, that type of union structure isn't there. So it's right. right to work state. Well, uh, in
0: like California, I think, don't you have to hire union people when you do a, a certain of, size of production? Yeah, or? there's
1: a lot of legal structure in terms of not only you know how you hire them, but what each person is doing. Right. Uh, I and mean, it, it initially starts out as safety reasons. For instance, an electrician. Can't go over and move the grip equipment. Right. Even if he could easily go over there and move it, same with grip, they couldn't move over and touch electric stuff. They could easily do it, but then it becomes a legal matter of oh, he got shocked. Yeah, and you know this, so that that part is understandable. But as those things grow, the cost grows, and so you know you, the cost to do it there. Now, it's not to say we're not safe here. You know, right. You know we still safety is priority and, uh, you know, get the proper insurance and such, but the cost isn't there because, you know, each person is, is willing to, to work at a, at Oklahoma rate.
0: Right. And, uh, I think you probably also have a lot of people that just like, oh, you need an extra. Someone's just like, oh yeah, I'll do it. I mean, because sure. people don't get the chance around here to do that. They get very excited when they get to just walk past the camera and say that they were, you know, in a, in a movie or in a short yeah, film.
1: For sure. I mean, for, for our, our culture, because um, each, each culture has its, uh, its own version of storytelling, and they put a lot of, each culture puts a lot of resources into their storytelling. Uh, and for our culture, film is our story, is our biggest collection of storytelling because you're dealing with all the arts. Right. You're dealing with music, you're dealing with writing, you're dealing with wardrobe, you're dealing with visuals. So it's a our biggest collection of artistic statement. And so people recognize that, and they want to be a part of it and help tell that story. Um, and I think Oklahoma has a lot of... A lot of players that are, are ready to, to tell stories and, and uh, you know take lumps to tell those stories. So so maybe we're not getting paid as much as Hollywood. Maybe we're not. Uh, maybe we have to work longer hours, or maybe it's colder or hotter or whatever. But um, we're willing to do that to you know to get in the game.
0: Right. Uh, do you think that makes it harder to kind of uh, get your work? Out there and maybe get it noticed and, and recognized.
1: The market is so huge right now. The desire for content is huge. I mean, there's so many avenues for content. When you consider every app on your phone wants some sort of video work done for it, right? You know, every video game has some sort of video work done for it. Every uh, network that you can imagine under the sun. You know, it wants content. You know, all these indie films. So there's there's tons of content out there. Now, the question becomes: Okay, how do you distinguish yourself? You know, with this content. Um, so you've got everybody picking up a camera, everybody picking up sound equipment, everybody grabbing their friends, right. running out the door, knowing they're filmmakers, shoot something, bring it back, and you know, we've got D or C level films because you know there was no preparation. And I think you distinguish yourself by stopping and asking yourself some some uh, core questions. Uh, So, am I following the artistic principles? Yeah. Um, Artistic principles apply, you know, to a painting, uh, to music, to um, to wardrobe, whatever. Am am I even considering these things when I'm when I'm making my project, or am I just making a project to uh, to make my friends smile. Right. Both, both of those goals are, um, both of those goals are cool, but you have to be realistic with yourself. If you're trying to make real marketable films, uh, and artistic statements, are you putting a lot of artistic effort into it? Or are you trying to make your friends laugh? And which is just as, just as cool, but they're different beasts. So you gotta have to handle them different ways. um, so yeah
0: well it's, it's kind of cool now because uh, everyone has a video camera in their pocket because they have, have a sure. cell phone yeah, yeah. and so people are just starting to realize that they can kind of work with video and they know a little bit more about it than they think so uh, in, a, in a way it's, it's become like with, with media it's pretty easy with reporters and stuff we can say like what well, now every person is a part of the media if you have a video camera on your phone and Facebook, you can you're you're it you're basically the same as a, a reporter. You're just not getting paid for it, um, but it's kind of that way with YouTube and cell phone cameras and stuff. Everybody's a filmmaker. Sure, they yeah. just may not yeah. know yeah. it, yeah, yeah. but in in some capacity they are. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of cool to just see that people want to do these creative things. And they just may not have the capability to do it. So they use what they have and they're still doing awesome stuff.
1: For sure. Like Blair Witch is a (laughs) perfect example.
0: Yeah, just kind of with, I don't know, any kind of art. It's just you use what you have and you can make something if it's good.
1: You know, um, I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, I have filmed a lot on the 7 You know, I'm looking back I'm like, my goodness, I've used the heck out of this camera. And I'm thinking about how small the sensor size is, and, you know, it's, it's not 4K, and it's, it's not HDR. And I saw, a, um, I saw a video of a street artist, and he had a little piece of glass, I don't know, 6 inches by 3 inches, mm-hmm. and a clear piece of glass. And he had paint sitting out, and he would take his finger and, and dab it on the paint, slap it on the glass, move his finger around real quick, grab the paint, slap it around, and then within a matter of seconds, he had created this landscape with his finger, a piece of glass, and some paint. Right. That was just like uh, a perfect impression of this world. And uh, I was like, well, I, you know, I should look at my 7D this way, is that, um, you know, it's not the uh, biggest work of art, you know, there is, but... I, you know, I'm focusing on how to put that world into that little space. Yeah. Just like you did on that little piece of glass. So... Well, know, there's
0: been plenty of shitty movies shot on red cams. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all about content and it's all about the artist, not so much the medium, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and what was neat about it was he had probably done it a million times to get right. to that point. He had done a little project a million times to where he could tell a an impressive story on a little piece of glass. And I, I've been trying to uh, think of, of my work in that, in that regard is, you know, yes, I've done a lot of little pieces, but it's a lot of them and I've learned a lot of tricks along the way. And I think that that'll translate well in feature film.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so we kind of took a little break there that you may not have heard, but I brought a uh, Chloe in here from the last episode. You remember Chloe. Hey, Chloe, what's up? Hey, Andrew. How are you? good just drinking some coffee that's gross um you sit up here so people can hear you um so we we do have a few more questions but these are mainly for rosie so um this one is from carrie and it says to rosie what's your favorite afternoon activity after your afternoon nap this is a great question probably another nap uh yeah she just will lay there until she goes back to sleep basically um if she can eat, she'll do that. But normally she can't. Um, she'll she'll lick the floor sometimes because food lick was there. Um, She's a licker. You know, just dogging, being a dog, um, sniffing stuff, uh, you know, those kind of things, I think. Any lazy dog activity is Rosie's activity. Just, you know, being fat and loving life, having fur, that kind of stuff.
1: Grayson um, wants
0: to know how you doing. I'm not going to answer that question, Grayson, because I will not acknowledge that Friends was a TV show. Um, so Grayson can suck it. Uh, this next question is from Matt, and it's also Rosie. It says, how long have you been a sweet little babe slash can I pet you?
1: Um,
0: part one, the answer will be forever. Part two, always, you can always pet Rosie. How long has she been? a sweet little babe uh since she was born i imagine i don't we don't know how old she is so you know all the always and forever basically i think is the answer to that um that was all the questions we had that was pretty easy Mm -hmm. um so chloe anything you want to say um, it was nice world. to
1: meet you. Yes, it was nice it was to
0: meet you. It was really cool to hear you talk about videography and your career. Do you have any questions? You can ask I any questions. I was curious. Um, where are some of your favorite sites to shoot in Oklahoma? Uh,
1: definitely, uh, obviously, our backyard, the Wichita Mountains. Yeah. Um, one I've never made it to that I want to is the the dunes, the sand dunes. Um, Little Sahara? Oh, little Sahara? Sahara, or... yeah, Little Sahara. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be good. Cool. It's
0: crazy. It's just like, I mean, you're just in a desert. It's the craziest thing. Is that the same as the Salt Flats? No, the Salt Flats or... are different. Mm. Those are cool. I've never been to the Salt Flats.
1: Have you ever been there? I have not been no. there, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, I kind of snuck that into the script, so I, just, to, just to be able to go Yeah? yeah? Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I've yeah. always wanted to go. Uh... It's fun to film downtown Oklahoma City. Uh, gorilla, you might get in a little bit of trouble if, you, if you're if you not careful with it. That's have you different. ever gotten in trouble? No, I've, I've never. Uh, I hope I didn't jinx you. No, no. The only, the only time we <laughs> ran into trouble was actually at the mountains. Really? Yes. Um, on Mount Scott. We, uh, 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 yeah, they, they, they want you to pay up front to film there. I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you have your Canon 7D out there, Um, you know you're taking pictures that's one thing if you're doing video that's another thing so wow yep yep interesting Hmm.
0: okay um I guess that's it we're gonna wrap it up um so is there uh, any way that people can kind of see what you do any websites
1: sure Uh, barfield productions on Facebook okay and then also uh, from the ashes the series on Facebook those are the the two places to go to check out my projects
0: awesome um you do you have anything, Chloe? I was oh. saying? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And then you can uh we have a Facebook page for the podcast now. Um it's a boy and his dog. I haven't really promoted it much since we um hadn't hadn't gotten on iTunes yet, but um that's probably where you're listening to this. Um so just search that, a boy and his dog. Um I'm also on basically everything as Andrew the Poet, except for on Twitter I'm Andrew the Broit, because Andrew the Poet was taken by me, and then I forgot the password. Um, I would like to uh, say thank you to JD Adams for our logo, um, which was a big part of the problem why we weren't on iTunes, but now we have a new logo that's awesome, um, and I was way too excited to see it. Um, Because it's me and Rosie, and Rosie's good. Rosie's sleeping. She's been asleep through all of this, so that's why you haven't heard her uh, collar jingle or her clomping around in the kitchen (laughs) where we record this. Um, But thank you for listening. Um, We'll be back next week with either another guest, or I will just talk to you for way too long by myself. Um, But until then, see, see you later.